0: And welcome to another episode of Listen. How are you guys? Hope you're having a wonderful day. I'm your host, Rupal Goyle, but you can call me Roops. This is a show where I give hot takes and social commentary on topics I think I really do have some business giving hot takes about, so I'm going to keep doing it anyway. Each week, I cover a different topic with a super cool and qualified featured guest. This week, I'll be chatting with my lovely colleague, Erin, about mental health in the workplace. My guest this week is a mother of three, a wife to a former rock star, which is super cool, and a partner at a big four accounting firm. Now, without further ado, let's roll. Erin, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, I'm Erin. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, I'm so excited you're here. I have been, for those of you listening, a pest in Erin's inbox since November.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, not a bad <laughs> fun. You've been entertaining me through my bu- my busy season. <laughs> Honestly, I am glad
0: that's how you framed it. Um, that makes me feel a lot better. But for context, um, at my firm, uh, at a big town hall, Erin spoke about mental health and her experience in the workplace, and it really inspired me as I was at the time going through it. Uh, t- to be honest, and so I reached out and was like, "Can I please pick your brain sometime pick publicly?" Away. I am absolutely (laughs) going to pick away. So, first of all, thank you so much for being here. Super grateful. Mental health in the workplace is such an interesting topic, I think, because currently we're all going through collective trauma of the pandemic. And it has made the work-from-home experience fairly difficult. And work-life balance feels like it's all up in the air. So, I wanted to just start things off with, how do you feel your mental health is in the workplace and what can firms be doing to better it? Like what is an impactful way folks can support employees during work from home?
1: Yeah. I love the the way that you characterized it, that living through a pandemic is a form of a trauma because I think so many people right now are quickly bypassing this as just an event or a moment And not appreciating that the world is going through a collective trauma together, which is something I know I've never lived through something where it's such a collective experience. And as a point of reference, um, I suffer from something called complex PTSD which means it's a series of traumas I faced in my childhood. And so I am very familiar with what it's like to experience trauma and then how that connects with the rest of your life. So when I think about what you just said, which is we're all going through a collective trauma. Um, I think about how trauma has impacted my life up to this point. And I look around at the people around me, especially my colleagues and I see how it's impacting them every day. and. Those that are doing better are those that are appreciating the moment that we're in going, wow, this sucks. This is crappy. This is having a strain on my mental health. And this is a trauma. Um, and I'm going to take care of myself, extra care of myself because of that. Those that I think that are suffering more are those that have not stepped back in this life moment to realize how difficult this is and how difficult this is on them and they're not giving themselves a break and they're not giving themselves that extra self-care. So for me, it's like sometimes it's just zooming out and saying, yep, this is exactly what the moment I'm in in my life and this is exactly what I need to do to be there for myself right now.
0: That is huge. I think the taking a step back and reevaluating and just sitting with the fact that we are going through this and understanding where you're at is so important because a lot of us folks at that firm, especially high achievers, everyone's a high achiever when they come in. So they just can't handle the fact that maybe you are hurtling towards burnout city. I know I am. And I sometimes have to really sit down and stop and take stock of where I am and say, okay, either it's time for a break. I need to put in some vacation days Mm -hmm. or I need to tell someone what's going on so they understand what's going through my
1: head. That's right. And what's hard is like when we before the pandemic and we were taking care of our mental health, first of all, we weren't experiencing a trauma um, of living through a pandemic. But we also had tools that we probably relied on for self-care and for like for for taking those mental breaks. The pandemic has taken away a lot of those tools. So, for example, a lot of people's uh, break before for taking care of themselves was getting together with a bunch of friends and doing something socially. Um, and a lot of people haven't had that for going on a year now. And so they haven't replaced that though with something else to give them that mental break.
0: Yeah. My entire social life was around food in New York and now it's not, and it hurts so bad. <laughs> it's just, you feel, it feels so isolating. Right. So I guess that, that brings me to a good point. How do you, as a manager or an upper level staffer support your younger colleagues when they're new, don't really know anything and are probably feeling the pressure of being alone right now.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, a lot of people even live alone. So they're quarantined and they're also living alone. I mean, you know, for me, I have to find new and different ways to fill my bucket. So if that means I'm on Facetime more now with my family, because I don't see them as frequently as I used to, I'd probably see my family every couple months before, and now it's like six months to a year. Um, and so now we're we're you know jumping on Facetime together to get as much time as we can. My kids, um, you know, they're not in school anymore, and they're not around their friends anymore. Um, so there every night we give them, which normally would never give them their iPads every day, but we give them their iPad for about 30 minutes every night and they get to call a family member. So they're calling an aunt, they're calling a cousin, they're calling, you know, a grandmother. And it just helps with that. I think social connection that's missing in a lot of cases. Um, but it's, it's not always just even the social connection. Um, sometimes it was leaving your house and that drive to and from work. That was that mental break that a lot of people needed. Um, so now it's, how do I, how do I get that break in between work and home? I have to do something different. There's people that are doing their, their own fake virtual commutes. Um, for, for me, it was funny. I, I was having a um, a meeting with one of my executive partner coaches um, that we have at the firm. And I was describing kind of having this difficult time mentally going from work to being a mom and being present with my kids. Like I was physically there with my kids, but I wasn't mentally there with my kids And I said, and I don't have this time to do this virtual commute and sit 30 minutes. Like, I don't know, pretending like I'm driving a car. Like, I don't have time for that. And so she said, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to stand up. And before you walk out the door of the room that you're working in, you're literally going to like go, you're going to brush your shoulders off. So physically make a motion of brushing your shoulders off. You're going to brush your legs off. And you're going to say like, I'm washing away work for the, the moment. And I'm putting on my mom suit and I'm, I'm ready to jump in and mentally like shift my mindset. And I was like, that is freaking ridiculous. And then I did it once and I was like, okay, fine. It's freaking ridiculous. I'll do it behind a closed door. No one will see this, but it worked. It like totally worked. So it's, it's sometimes it's like these silly, tiny little five second shifts that we're making, Um, But it's those little steps that add up for us throughout the day, every day. And then they build up over a week, build up over a month. Similarly, when we don't take care of ourselves, it's those small things that add up. You know, the like, I'm just going to push a little bit harder today. I'm going to ignore the fact that I haven't taken a mental break. I'm going to ignore the fact that I have anxiety building up and stress building up in me. And I'm just going to shove it down. I'm going to shove it down. And that builds up. Like Maybe you got through that day. But then you do it again another day and it builds up even more. You do it for a whole week and it builds up a lot more. You do it for a month and it's out of control. And that's when you end up in places, like you said, burnout. Because we just keep shoving it down little by little every day and all of that accumulates on us.
0: Absolutely. I think for me personally, I used to be very into, you know, compartmentalizing everything that, oh, this I'll, I'll shelve it away for later. Um, this, I'll push that down until I don't have to think about it, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And that comes back to bite in such terrible ways. Like just a, you know, quick anecdote for me, like I am, I have serious anxiety and it's from a series of things that happened in childhood leading up to now, my, just my personality type. And that makes me always very hesitant to ask for help. Um, for fear of how my public image is going to change. I didn't really start being open about mental health and well being until like three years ago. It was before that it was I was curating everything. Everything was a facade. And so I remember the when the pandemic hit, I moved back home. And that was a huge shift going from independence in New York City to coming back home to the suburbs of Georgia with my family. It's I, t- I tell people that you know you can't really experience growth mm-hmm. in the same place that you felt stifled. Um, and that's why me going to New York was so big that was a huge thing for my mental health. So then coming back, I felt like I was regressing. Most people know that my mom is extremely immunocompromised. Um, she has she has an illness, and so when I was in New York, I didn't have to be around that. I could communicate with her virtually and it was fine and I felt guilty a lot and had to work through it. With a lot of therapy but I settled with it and then I came back and I was suddenly back in the environment where I was super anxious super stressed all the time and there was a month in October where uh, last October I was just it was not just burnout city I was about to have like many meltdowns and I already had and so um, I had just started a new project and I mean you know how it feels to be a new person on a new project you, you have no idea what the team is like you don't know how everyone is so I was stressed, and what I did to cope was not think about it and would throw myself into work um, and do a lot and do be doing the most. And then there was a point where my friends started noticing that it's like, oh, your camera's off, like, you're a little bit quieter than usual. Are you okay? And I was like, okay, if they're noticing this, then my team is definitely noticing it. And that just sat in my head and plagued me forever. And so I, I remember – there were there were like two weeks I was crying every night, and I told myself I need to tell someone and to tell the person I work with and At the time, there was really only one manager who I communicated with and worked with primarily and so uh before that call cried in my bathroom said, "Okay, now I won't cry on this call." got on the call, told him I was like, "Hey, I'm going through this thing um if it reflects in my work, please let me know if it doesn't, that's great, but I just wanted you to have context right and I was not prepared for the amount of compassion and empathy I was going to receive. Um, Cause I always thought that if I'm open about this at work, it's going to come back to bite me. People are going to think I'm not competent. People are going to think I'm dumb, but he was like, no, if you need to take time, let me know if you need to like block off time on your calendar, let me know if you can't make it to something, just communicate. I'm not going to pry. Um, You're doing great. And so that was a turning point. I think in my time at the firm where I was like, okay there are people out there who are not going to judge me for it mm-hmm. and are going to support me through it and so i really like what you said about kind of checking in with yourself and making sure that you're doing okay and taking the time you need for breaks because if you don't it's really going to suck and i went through that like i wasn't taking time for myself and that was about to start affecting me so negatively but then yeah. i just had an experience where i was like it restore it really did restore my faith and the fact that my image wouldn't be hurt and there, it shouldn't be right. Your, your image and the way people view you at work should not be hurt because of your mental illnesses or your mental health.
1: Yeah. And I, I would, I would go as far as saying the inverse of that in that what I appreciate about, you know, I run lots of teams and I look at people that come to me, um, with, um, openness, honesty, and a deep understanding of themselves. Um, and that they can share that with me and say, hey, here's how you can get the most from me. I he, Here's the things where I struggle. Here's the things where I need more support. But here's where I kill it. And people that come to me with that, I'm like, ah, I can work with this. Yes, you just, you made my life easy. You told me exactly how to motivate you. You told me exactly what your triggers are for the things that are gonna spiral you into stress and anxiety. I can work with that. You literally did my job for me because otherwise what I have to do as a supervisor is guess. I have to go, how does, you know, Sally like to be trained versus how does Joe like to be trained versus how does, block like, go, go through the iterations. You're playing a guessing game because every person needs to be met somewhere and every person's going to be motivated differently and every person's going to need support in a different way. And if you come and do my job for me, I'm like, thank you. You have, you're in tune with yourself. And those types of people are generally the people that last the longest and are the most successful because they have figured out the structure that works for them and what doesn't work for them. You know, for me, you said something that, that um, resonated with me in knowing what your triggers are. Um, I think everybody has, you know, is on some form of a scale with a mental health journey. Um, Everyone, every single person, as long as you have a mind, I think you're on a journey with your mental health. Um, And so for me, knowing what your triggers are that trigger, call it mental health that is not productive for you. So if that's stress or anxiety, um, one of them for me is getting approval um, or feeling like someone has not approved of something I've done or I didn't meet someone's expectations and if i remotely sense that and that can be by the way you, you think when you're a younger staff person and you have a lot of supervisors that it will go away when you become the supervisor i feel that way about when my staff look at me and i disappointed them it's the same exact trigger for me and so what it will send me to will send me into sometimes is a full on panic attack full on stress and anxiety until I feel like I can overcome that perception from that person. Like I have to conquer it and prove them. No, no, no. I'm good enough. I'm good enough. Please. I didn't screw this up. And you know, it's funny. If you, if you go into the world, believing that you have to do that, you will, you will never win. Like you will never prove to everyone that you're good enough because the joke is they already thought you were, it's just inside your own head. Like, so for me, it's like, and that, that's something I will say that I continue to struggle with or work, I don't say struggle with, I work on every day is when I feel that moment of like, this anxiety is coming on. Oh, it's because this person came back and had comments on something I did. They didn't exactly like the direction I took. You know what though? That doesn't mean I'm not worth something that has nothing to do with my self-worth. This is just a project. It's no freaking big deal. We're not saving lives here we're going to live another day. And like, I honestly have to have that self conversation sometimes to like work through that. But it the difference between what I used to do, which is I felt the anxiety building up. I'd shove the anxiety down and I just put my head down and work 10 times harder. Now I acknowledge those anxious feelings. I let them come up. I live in them. I breathe in them. I swim in them. They're part of who I am. They make me uniquely me. And then I say, you know what? It's okay. Do I need to make a change here? Do I need to work a little harder or you know what? They're just going to have a difference of opinion than me. and I'm going to let it go. That are you me? Like
0: that, <laughs> that's actually, I am so sensitive about like, you know, words of affirmation mm-hmm. where if I, I joke about this with my peers. I'm like, I'm very needy for validation constantly. Um, but it really is like, it feels that way. It feels like if I sense even a single tone shift in the way you speak to me, I will instantly attribute that to some, I did something wrong. You're mad at me. You're disappointed in me. And I need to, I need to fix it immediately. And I will start overcompensating. And it's just like, it, 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 it's like you said, you will never win. If you consistently think people are out to find, to nitpick at you and to hurt you, you're never going to win this. Well,
1: if you also believe that your self-worth is going to come from other people you will also never win because no, everyone's not always going to like you. And so I, you know, even as old as I am now, you know, I, I still finally feel like I'm in this place where my self-worth is only dictated by me. No one else is going to dictate that. No one, including my husband and kids are not going to dictate my self-worth. It's going to come from me. And so one of the things I'm, now that I have a daughter, um, I'm trying to reframe the way I talk about what I do in my life. So for example, she sees, I love putting makeup on. She sees me put makeup on every morning. So she's like now into this, like, Oh mommy put, put makeup on me. I want to be beautiful. Like you all show daddy. And I said, no, no, no. Mommy doesn't put makeup on for daddy or for anyone else. Actually. Mommy puts makeup on. Cause she's, it's fun. I love it. It's all about what I enjoy doing in the morning. So You want to put makeup on because you, you, Ruby, that's her name, are having fun. We're going to, I'm going to play makeup with you and we're going to do that, but we're not going to put makeup on for anybody else. And she was like, oh, okay. And then she's like, oh, but to make me beautiful. And I said, absolutely not to make you beautiful. You're beautiful without makeup. Mommy's beautiful without makeup. We're all beautiful without makeup. We just put makeup on because it's fun. It's just an activity. It's like playing baseball. It's just fun. So I'm trying to like find these little things and teaching her, I'm kind of reminding myself of some important lessons of you know, all of the things I do. If I'm working out, I'm working out for my mental health. I'm not working out so I can look skinny next to some other woman. Like I'm doing it for me, like no one else. Um, and I will say that I've never been happier in my life In realizing that the only person's opinion I care about is my own.
0: That is so legit. That is huge, especially modeling good behavior like that to the people around you, to your kids. Because I know personally, and me and a lot of my um, peers that are female identifying, we say sorry a lot. We apologize for things that are usually out of our control, like, Oh, sorry, I was late. Sorry, this didn't get to you on time. Sorry for this. Sorry for that. And it's like, why are you apologizing for the space you take up in this world?
1: That's Right? We do. Oh, my gosh, there's, um, there's, there's several women I work with who do that. And they're there, we kind of turn it into a joke where when we hear one of us do that, we, we like, go <clears throat> like hit a button or something when we hear it. and we're like, take the word out, take that word out, repeat what you just said, and take that word out. Like, don't apologize for being you. Exactly. For showing up. It's, don't apologize it's, for being a person. Like, that's the other part. Don't, don't apologize for being a human being, <laughs> right?
0: It's the it's the constant anxiety of how does this other person view me? Um, how does their opinion impact me? Like, what would you, I guess this is a question I have, is, like, what would you recommend to someone who's new to a firm or, uh, you know, a young employee who's enthusiastic about working and wants to, you know, get in, but is suffering from, you know, this anxiety, digital burnout, and is afraid to speak up out of fear of impact to their career because I know I face it all the time. It's like what I mentioned earlier, I didn't want to talk about what was going on with me Mm -hmm. because I was afraid people would view me differently.
1: Yep. I think um, what I would tell you is start small in those conversations. So there's, there's at least one person you work with that you trust and maybe they're not quite yet your supervisor. It's a peer practice that conversation with them. Not like literally tell them it's a practice, but, have the conversation with them where you say, hey, friend, colleague, peer, um, you know, I'm really struggling. Are you struggling? Like, these are the reasons why I'm struggling. Maybe we can be there for each other. And, and that conversation will hopefully be the easiest, right, because it's your friend and your peer. But what it also is, is another person that's going to be a part of your support system, someone that might identify with you. And then secondly, it is practice so that you can build up until you can have that conversation for the people that you work for. Because that's going to be ultimately, in my opinion, one of the most important conversations. Because I go back to people can't support you if they don't know how to support you. And you're the only person that can tell them how to support you. And you're going to do yourself a disservice every day you don't tell them how. And it's not about like coming to them and saying, here's the checklist of things thou shalt must do for me. Like that's not at all what that conversation is. It's to say, hey, I want you to get to know me as a human being, because guess what? We're two human beings that work together at the end of the day, whatever the work is, first and foremost, we're human beings. So here, here, let me let you into who I am a little bit more. And it's not all about the like, let me lay out all the negative and bad. It's a balance. It's here's the stuff that I struggle with. But here's the stuff that I guarantee I'm going to come through for you more than anyone else. Right? So it's a balance in that conversation that I say that, not for what the other person hears, but for yourself and your confidence. You don't have to act like you're laying something at the feet of them that's this horrible thing. Like, I guarantee that the reason you have that job is because you have so much more to offer than whatever it is you think you're bringing to them that you're struggling with.
0: That's huge, yes. And it's like you had said right earlier in this conversation, openness and honesty and transparency only serves to help you and everyone around you. And building that trust is so important. And you also never know who is ready to be your ally and your advocate until you speak up. I, I view this person now as an advocate, as an ally for the work I do at my firm. And that's really valuable
1: to me knowing that someone has my back and well, that didn't come around if I didn't speak up. And, and the other thing I was going to add to that, that when you said you never know, it made me think of you also never know what example you're setting for that person and their mental health. Um, so the person that you're probably the most scared to tell is probably someone that has their own difficult journey with mental health. They're not open. Their doors are closed. um, They don't appear like they want to hear about this. That is the person that probably needs you as an example to say, here's how we talk about mental health. And you may have an impact on them. You may have an impact on your supervisor, the person you're working for, for them to check themselves and their own mental health journey and in doing that they may be able to show up better for you at work because they're actually taking care of their own mental health. That's awesome. Yes, it's a two-way street for sure. 100%. I just think of like I have this one staff person I work with who um you know, literally from like his interview to when he started was very open about his mental health journey, um, because it actually impacts his physical health. And so he was like, just want to know, even in the interview, just want to know, this is what you're getting into. Um, you know, this is what I have, but I've learned over time how to deal with that. And I was like, man, I am impressed with this kid. Like he fully has grasp on where his boundaries are. He's figured out how to deal with it. He's laid out a plan for me. Like again, he's done my job for me. So like I've felt nothing but confidence in this person, but it's been like from day one, he's like, here I am, take it or leave it. And I'm like, I'll take it every day.
0: (laughs) Right. And doing that, it just, it makes the whole team better because you all work together better. You get to know each other as beyond just pixels on a screen now, really. And now that you know everything about me, I can deliver my best work to you without fear of disappointing you or hurting my image because it's all out there.
1: That's right. That's right. We can all be humans together.
0: You know, I, I joke about having, you know, a work persona and then my public persona and my personal private persona with friends, which no one will ever see. Um that is just too outrageous, but <laughs> i th- I think bringing your quote unquote whole self to work is important. and especially right now with the lines being blurred between work and life, especially when we're all connected all the time, that's really important.
1: yeah i I hope for you that one day those three three things become one i I will say that when I started in my career, um I did have the same thing. I had a I would say my personas were more. There was a work persona um, and I will define that work persona as I thought I had to act, especially being in a professional services firm. Um, I thought I had to act a certain way. And if I'm being honest, this is, you know, obviously 10, 15 years ago, um, 10 years ago, that's cute. It was like 15 years ago, <laughs> um, but I, I felt like I had to quite frankly act like a man because that's kind of what was being portrayed of how you could be successful in business. Um, and I had to be very straight laced, And I had to be very professional and talk in a professional way. I would separate that from my personal life, which I was young, 20-something, going out clubbing at nights, like every night, partying. Um, I was a valley girl, had a full-on valley girl accent, like horrible. I would dress outrageously. My hair was outrageous. Like everything about me was like big, bold, and out there in your face. And then I also then had my family, like my, my parent life, who they're very traditional conservative Catholics. Um, love them to death, but very old school family. Those three things were so dramatically different from one, other, one another and the Aaron that showed up in each of those places was a completely different person. And I gotta tell you, that was exhausting, exhausting. To pretend like every time I showed up to one of those places, I had to put a mask on, I had to put gear on and I had to become whatever it was I thought that that group needed for me. Um, and I guess what? I wasn't doing very well in either, any of those three places because I wasn't just being authentically myself in any one of those three places. And it took me a long time. And it was more, I would say when I got to that journey of realizing that I'm the only person that I, whose opinion I'm going to care about, that I just said, I don't care. I'm going to go to work and I'm going to wear outrageous clothes. I'm going to wear tons of jewelry. I'm going to have, I had pink in my hair. Like I was, who cares? Like you don't like this, then I don't need to work here. And I, that was when my career took off. Funny enough, because I showed up to work with confidence, believing in myself. And the more you believe in yourself, the more everyone else is like, well, if she believes in herself. Damn, she must be good. Like, right. Confidence is something that like oozes out of you that people accept. You know, in my personal life, I did some vetting of friends. Let me just say I cleared some out that probably didn't need to be part of my life so that I could make healthier choices. Um, and then with my family, I started being a little bit more of myself, which was hard for them to take. If I'm being honest at first, um, we went through a bit of a rocky period, but ultimately like I now can just relax around my family and be myself, which you think you can always do, but you know, it's a journey with your family as you get older and you become a, per- that, a different person maybe than who they are. And, and, you know, there's a little bit of conflict there, but I feel like I'm just in all aspects of my life. I'm more at peace because there is no transition between those two worlds or three worlds. It's just, Yep. I wore the same outfit from work to home to see my family as simple as that. Right. But then I also didn't change my personality. I didn't change the way I talked by the way, because that was a big thing for me. It changed the way I talked. Um, you know, I I don't know. I just, it's a lot easier. I'm going to say that it's a lot easier and I'm a lot more successful because of it. So one day you won't have free worlds is my, is my hope for you. I, yes, I have,
0: worked I'm trying really hard right now to kind of bring them all together I am my most authentic at times very bizarre self at work um and I'm okay with it now I used to think that I need to behave a certain way professionally collected for people to take me seriously and then I realized I was like I'm so boring when I do that I am such a bore it's such a snooze like, I am infinitely more interesting when I gesture wildly about the TV show I just watched, yep. or tell you about the new book I just read, or yep. freak out about the weird new graphic tea I bought over the weekend. Okay. Like, my, my new thing right now is rotating my collection of varyingly bizarre hoodies on calls. And people seem to be like, oh, are you wearing the T Rex hoodie today? I'm like, yes. It's a little T Rex crying into a mug of tea, and it says <laughs> T Rex existential crisis. And I love it. And I'm going to wear it until the day I die.
1: And I got to tell you, like, people that are successful in business know that the more diversity we can get around the table in all dimensions, people always go, oh, diversity, you must mean gender diversity, you must mean racial diversity. Yes, I mean that. But I also mean diversity in our weirdness. Like The more we can get that around the table, I guarantee whatever solution you're working on is going to be tenfold better. Because everyone's coming with a different brain, a different mind, a different idea, and a different quirkiness to whatever that is. When I look around at my project teams and I've got them really being and feeling like they're being their authentic selves and all of their authentic selves are extremely different from one another, I know we're going somewhere. I know we're going somewhere.
0: Yeah, it only, I think, I really like what you said about having diversity of weirdness because that includes, you know, diversity of your Mental health, diversity, and people representing different mental illnesses. Like you can't, you can't learn from people that are just like you, right? You need the difference in backgrounds for you to actually grow. And now I feel like I do a lot of um DNI, which is diversity and inclusion for those of you um, who are not familiar. So I do a lot of DNI and well-being work um, at my workplace. And I really push it and I push it on teams, I push it on my peers. And I push it in leadership, and that's the one. That's the one thing I'm very passionate about. And so I think, like all right now, we're in such a interesting and crucial turning point in the workplace where companies can really step up and show up to help their employees during this in a
1: meaningful way in a crisis. Well, and and I think when when people usually talk about DNI or mental health and companies stepping up. They often think that the angle there is because that's like the responsible thing to do or it's nice of them to do. I would turn that into, it's the actual smart, intelligent business decision. Why? Because your assets are your people. So to me, like think about it, if, if you've got a manufacturing company and you have inventory in a warehouse, would you go like stomp on the inventory and like maybe flood the warehouse and then, and then try to sell the product and see what happens? I don't think so. Instead, you make sure it's like in this beautifully temperatured controlled warehouse, you check on it, you probably count it every now and then you dust it off, you make sure when it gets shipped out, it's in really good condition. Our, our inventory is our people and a lot of a lot of business, we need to take care of our people, taking care of our people isn't just taking care of them at work. It means taking care of the whole self, whole self, which a lot of our whole self is our mental journey, our mental health journey. And so in my mind, it is imperative, imperative that we take care of people's mental health journey and all aspects of DNI so that we can then become the best business, the best firm, the best whatever. It's it's worth the investment because they will see the return on that investment. It's not just the nice thing to do.
0: Our assets are people. We're the ones putting in the grind, putting in the work. And if we're suffering, then your work suffers too. And at That's the end, right. who does that hurt your bottom line? But exactly. <laughs> right? it is a smart business decision. So then why, why is there such a disconnect then between this messaging about balance, taking care of yourself, and then the reality that, I mean, I personally feel this pretty heavily, like of young employees who feel like they just can't say no to things. And then they keep taking
1: things on until their cup just runneth over terribly. I think there's a couple of things. One, I, I feel like businesses are struggling with how to do it effectively in the right way. So, on the business side, from the business's perspective, I think they're trying to figure out how to pivot, especially right now going through a global pandemic. How do they support their people? But the second thing I would tell you is that more often than not, the fault resides in the person. There is a system around you to help support you. It is your choice whether you use that system or you don't use that system. And, you know, barring working for certain companies that are terrible, awful places, you should never work anyways. But most companies are there to support you and understand that you're a human at the end of the day, that's going through a human experience and that there is is a system that should exist of people that should help you be successful. I mean, ultimately that's what a company wants is you to be as successful as possible. The problem is, is that most people feel like you said, these words feel like they can't speak up, feel like they can't say no. But the difference between feeling that way and it actually being a reality is a pretty wide gap. And the problem is, is like, we need more people to just do it. Take care of yourself. Demand it. Don't ask for it. Demand it. I need this. Do you want me to do really well in this project? Then I need three hours right now to just go on a walk and get away from my computer screen for a little bit, or I'm going to have a breakdown. Like, go. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, the, the culture shift is definitely starting at a grassroots level. And I think you can't, it's like you said, like if we keep feeling like our environment is stifling us and not actually taking that action, then you don't empower everyone around you to do that as well. And if if you
1: feel like it's stifling you, it will stifle you. (laughs) If you let it stifle you, it's going to.
0: (laughs) That's what I was doing. I was letting it stifle me. I was like, okay, I'm going to put in wild hours, no sleep, cry every day, and maybe my work will be better. And (laughs) looking back, I'm like, girl, what were you thinking?
1: And I think sometimes people also though, focus too much on like the hours. I got to tell you, it has nothing to do with the hours. It, It it's, it's what you choose to do with the hours that you're working and what you do in between the hours that you're working. And again, how you show up for yourself is ultimately how Like I can work 40 hours a week and be completely drained, completely no energy I'm um, completely stressed out and I can also work 80 hours in a week and have all of my bucket filled and feel completely energetic It's all about how you choose to make decisions throughout your day It's about how you're going to choose to let things impact you and choose to let things stress you out
0: How do you motivate yourself when it's getting kind of crazy and you just Are at this point where you're like I hate my life. I hate this job. Like how do you how do you just keep going?
1: There are. So I'll first start by saying there's just sometimes you put your head down you figure it out and then you say, okay after that, after I'm done, I'm going to go take my mental break. I'm going to like rejuvenate. That is the hopefully one out of a 100 times, because hopefully the 99 other times you say, if if I am just so full right now that I can't even see forward, whatever I'm doing is not going to be that productive. So I need to I need to do something that's self-care. So for me, um, I, I have several small, I'd say several small things. I not want to say they're small, but several small things that I do to, to to make sure that my mental health is in check. And I don't give those up just because I'm busy. I mandate them no matter if I'm crazy, crazy busy. They're the things I don't give on. So for example, and this is one that's kind of like, I hate that it's so cliche, but it just works for me. But working out. I work out every single morning, seven days a week, seven days a week. I work out. It's the first thing I do when I get out of bed in the morning, nothing else happens until I work out. Nothing else happens. I don't work out for vanity reasons at all. Don't care. Don't care about that whatsoever. I'm married. Who cares? Right. Um, I've had three kids. It's not gonna <laughs> ever look bad at anything. So But for me, it's all about my mental health in those workouts. And it's about showing up for myself and it's about setting my goals and my goals for the day are showing up for me again, once again, showing up for me, making sure that I am taking care of myself. So even if I'm working crazy hours, there's crazy deadlines, that workout is not something I ever give on. I don't care if the head of the firm is asking for a meeting with me during my workout. I'm declining it. I'm busy. I have something. I have an appointment that's not going to get rescheduled. The other thing that I've realized for me that's important is I have dinner with my family every night and I block that time in my calendar. It's not always perfect. Sometimes it's really quick. Sometimes, you know, I've got lots of things on my mind, but I show up for my family to be there for dinner, bathing the kids, all that good stuff. And then it's small things. It's like, like the makeup thing back to putting makeup on, getting ready for my day. I've realized makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm ready to conquer the world. It makes me feel like I'm putting my like mask and shield and cape superhero cape on for the day. So like every morning, like clockwork, I do my makeup, do my hair. And everyone's always like, we're in quarantine. Like, what, who are you trying to look good for? And I'm like me every day of the week. I'm looking good for me. I got to feel good when I enter my day with energy and excitement and to just feel like, yes, I can do this. And so that's another thing I don't give on. So I could probably go on and on for a list of 30 things. But like there's things I've learned that like I show up for me every single day and they're, they're throughout the day. You can tell like the morning workout. Then it's the get ready. Then it's at night. It's it's the dinner time. Then it's like I spread it out throughout the day so that there's these moments that give me energy and give me life that kind of boost me back up when I feel like I'm too much is happening. There's more I'm trying to work on lately. Like I'm starting to add just some of the breathing techniques that can happen just literally in the middle of a meeting. You can work on breathing techniques to just make sure that the anxiety and the stress isn't building throughout the day. So you know, I'm constantly trying to fill my toolbox with new tools. That's the way I'd probably describe it.
0: That's awesome. Just knowing
1: what works for you and making it a priority. That's right. And don't let people take that time away. That's like that. The first thing that people give on their schedule is their time for themselves. That's the last thing they should be giving up on their schedule.
0: Exactly. And, you know, people are very understanding. You you would be surprised as a young staffer how people are like, Oh my gosh! I can't eat dinner with my family because my team wants to meet. I'm like, guys,
1: tell them you're eating dinner with your family. You you can say you you can do one of two things. Not free. How about how about four? How about four p.m. Guaranteed. Most people, when you say that, are going to go. Let me check. Oh yeah, I'm free at four. Sounds good. And it's like it's that simple. You didn't even suggest a different time. You didn't even say you might not be available. Or to your point, you can't you can if you want to say exactly why. Sometimes I feel like when we say the why we hesitate because we don't really like why do you have to explain your whole life to someone just to not attend the meeting? You don't have to. I'm not free. How about a different time? Sorry, I can't make it. <laughs> and to your point, everyone's always like, okay, sounds good. How about a different time? Sounds good. <laughs> I remember I wast work then.
0: <laughs> like you have to offer an alternative. like I was I remember I was, working on a proposal one day and I had blocked off out of office on my calendar, like 5pm to the end of the day, because it was my dad's 50th birthday. And I had to go celebrate that with him because I was finally home to do it. I thought I was going to be in New York and I wasn't. So it was a little happy surprise. And, you know, I had it blocked off. I let the people know that I was working with, like, I will be gone. And then, you know, people forget it's human. So, you know, I was in a meeting at 4pm. This person was laying out all the things I needed to get done. I was like, oh, by the way, I was literally, my heart was, I was having palpitations before I was about to say this. It was stressing me out so badly. I was like, yeah, sorry. It's my dad's 50th birthday today. I actually have to go make him a cake. And she was like, oh my gosh, go family first. Like I would totally do the same thing if my parents wouldn't crack down on me. I was like, yeah. And my cake making skills are actually very bad. So it's going to take a lot longer for me to get it done properly. (laughs) And they were understanding why would I, why would this other person fault me for doing something for my family? And it's a milestone.
1: That's right. But, but the joke also is it doesn't have to be your dad's 50th birthday either. Exactly. It could be literally a dinner. Maybe your self care is eating dinner literally by yourself. That is just as important is my point. Like it doesn't have to be this big giant thing either for you to say, I need to prioritize this thing that gives me life and gives me energy. Um, there's something that um, uh, someone recently told me that that because I, I have a really hard time saying no I have a really hard time drawing boundaries I do I'm a people pleaser to an extreme and they said remind yourself especially as it relates to work why do you do this why do you why do you why are you working what's the number one reason and I was like well obviously for my family and they said and what do you give up first and I was like time with my family Wow And it was like, ah, I hate myself. But it was just like, remind yourself every time someone at work is like, hey, we've got this other project or can we do a call at 6 p.m. What is the whole purpose of this work situation? The whole purpose of this work situation is so that I can like support my family to have a rad life. Well, guess what? Me skipping time with my family is not a rad life. So like I need to go. No, I know I disappointed you, but you know who I didn't disappoint? Me my kids, my husband. So like, I got it. And this is something that's current, current I got to work on right now. Um, so it's something I'm trying to reframe every time I'm in those moments at work of just like, zoom out real quick, zoom out. What are we doing here? And why are we doing it? Yes, this feels icky to disappoint someone. But think about who I'm actually disappointing when I make this decision.
0: That is an astoundingly good mental health reframe. Why did I never think of it that way? <laughs>
1: I don't know. I've been alive a lot longer than you and I just figured this out this week. So it's all good.
0: <laughs> right? Like, who, who am I doing this all for? That's kind of how I have to focus. Mm-hmm. I focus my energy now at work into doing things that meet my goals, not just to kiss up to other people, but the things that bring right. me joy. Which is so hard sometimes when you're new and you can't say no. Focusing your boundaries and your energy on things that fill your cup in a better, right. more productive way.
1: That's right. And sometimes you'll say yes to, like you said, when you're new, you do say yes to a lot of things. And that's probably because it does align with some of your long-term career goals and where you want to see yourself in life. And maybe it is for supporting the other things that you do and becoming successful, but it's not every time and it's not every decision. And we over-rotate so often in that decision-making because we don't want to disappoint someone. It's Like, it's okay. They'll, they'll go on. They'll find someone else to do it. They'll do it themselves. They probably should have done it themselves.
0: <laughs> right, life life goes on. We're not really saving any lives here. No, like, people unless you live. literally are, and then you should do that. Do that, please. please. But me, it's I'll go. I'll I did one day. I took a self care day once last year. Um, I was feeling kind of sick. I was like, oh, am I too sick? Am I not sick enough to take a sick day? First of all, take your sick days, please. Am I not sick enough <laughs> to
1: take a sick day? Like, there's a bar. They're like, oh, yes. you're just sick. Like, you have to, yeah, sit up, keep working, yes. shove a computer in your
0: lap. <laughs> horrible. There was literally one day on my first project where I woke up and I was like, wow, I feel like garbage. But I got on the call and I sounded like a demon. And they were like, please don't sign on for the rest of the day. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so kind. Thank you. Then I thought I was like, wait, that's basic human decency. No, like so scary.
1: It's <laughs> no. like a prison sentence where it's like, that's come to work or <laughs> right? you will pay the consequences. <laughs> right?
0: So I was like, wait, these are normal people. But there was a day last year where I, I was like, okay, I think I am sick enough to take the day. So I told my team, I was like, I am feeling like garbage. And I sat in front of the TV and watched Alias for 10 hours straight. I watched 15 episodes. Now, is that healthy? No. Did it make me happier? Yes.
1: (laughs) Hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I know there's a lot of people through this pandemic too that are taking sick days because of, of mental health reasons, like mental health days. And I think there's been some people even talking about do we change sick days to a different word to talk about the fact that sometimes for your mental health, you need to take that break. I would tell you if you've gotten to a point, though, where you need an entire day off of work, you missed the boat a long time ago. You did something real wrong before of trying to give yourself smaller breaks and smaller mental health um, pick-me-ups if you're getting to the point where you need like an entire day off. That's like a self-reflection moment to say, I've got to find ways to let air out of the tire a lot sooner before it just bursts on me.
0: Exactly. That's that's like that's a big sign of burnout city is you needing to take a whole day. I mean, I have a friend who she works at a firm that they get one mental health recharge day every month. And it's just an entire Friday off um, that the whole company is taking time for themselves. And that is so cool.
1: It is. The only thing I would challenge you back with is why does the company have to create, a day where they say mentally recharge should you not have permission to do that constantly and all the time like because I go again like you shouldn't mentally recharge once a month good lord true (laughs) I have to mentally recharge once an hour like (laughs) daily you have to to do it constantly I go again I think about it like letting air out of a tire like you can't build it all up, shove it all down and then say, wait for that one day and then let it all out again, and then build it all up and then let it all out. Like, that's horrible. I don't want to live on a roller coaster like that. Like, to me, it's like, you should have permission from wherever you work, that you're getting constant recharges all the time. And you have to look at it as a daily and a momentary journey that you're on versus like, a will shove this through until I get to that mental recharge day in three weeks. Like, that's the only thing I would counter that with. I just wouldn't want the messaging to be off, if you know what I mean.
0: That's important, right? You have to you have to consistently show up for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Wow. I mean, every thought I had, you covered. I mean, this is amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do you have any final thoughts for the folks listening?
1: I mean, the only, I guess, the final thing I guess I would say um, that you and I have talked about before is just. All things mental health, like, I guess for me, I don't frame that in the negative. Like I don't use, if you notice, I never use probably the word mental illness. Um, Because for me, we all are on a mental health journey. We all have a brain, so we're all on a mental health journey. And there's a spectrum of how severe, you know, you might have an issue on that journey. Um, But for me, where you are on that spectrum is what makes you uniquely you. And that's not something you should be ashamed of. That's not something you should feel bad about. It's probably what makes you awesome. You just haven't figured that out yet. So, for me, having complex PTSD, it makes me a lot more empathetic. It makes me listen and be there for other people a lot more. It makes me a heck of a lot more perceptive to trauma. It helps me look around the corner and see what's about to happen or could happen. And so, I've always framed um, or have recently, I should say, framed my mental health journey as these are my superpowers. They're things that other people won't have in their toolbox because they don't have complex PTSD. And so for me, they give me strength, they give me power, they don't hold me back, they're not negative. But that's because I've reframed it for me. And so that's the only thing, I, the last thing I would say on all things mental health how can you reframe it to realize that what this is doing is making you a better person, a stronger person every day?
0: That's awesome. That's an awesome reframe is how does how can you use it as a strength Mm -hmm. and not view it as a weakness? I agree. Like my my anxiety and my stress and depression have made me a more empathetic person and perceptive to other people's struggles and issues and I, I've always been labeled as the mom friend, and now I realize just how accurate that is.
1: <laughs> um, well, and I guarantee that you're going to be better at client service for that. As an example, you're going to be more empathetic to your client. You're probably going to be a better team leader. So as you move up the ranks and you're running teams, you're likely going to be better at running a team because you're going to know how to show up individually for every single person on your team and get the best out of them. Those are the things that are going to make you successful.
0: Yes, thank you. I do a lot of external reinvest work at the firm where I I like lead people. And I used to do that a, I was in a lot of orgs in college and it was the same thing. I really pushed for bringing your whole self to your projects, to your teams, to your work. And authenticity feels scary sometimes, but I think that it only helps you and the people around you being honest and open about your mental health and well-being makes you such a good person to be around because people trust you that's right you got it nailed it thank you no thank thank you for being here this is huge this is really this is important to me and i'm really happy you came and shared your thoughts because super valuable i i really valued it and i know i told you this earlier but when you spoke honestly about you know what you're going through and how you deal with it at work and you spoke it on such a big platform at our company it was so inspiring and i know people Like me came to you and were like, please talk to me again. And (laughs) for every person that was like vocal about it, there were so many that were like, wow, she is a badass. And I want to be her friend and then didn't say anything. I was like, say it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Honestly, it meant a lot because um, that was probably the biggest platform that I've spoken on my mental health. And I I think I shared with you, I really, really, really don't want to talk about it so publicly on such a public platform because. It is extremely private, especially when I talk about childhood trauma. That is very private. Um, but but I, 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 we have to talk about this. Like We have to. This is the human experience. If we don't talk about this, like all we're doing is we're perpetuating the, the issues over and over and over. And all I'm doing is perpetuating the issues over and over. It's a form of therapy for me to talk about it. And the more uncomfortable that I am, the more I know I'm growing. And so it was, it was not really fun to do it, but the minute I did it, I was like, oh, I literally like, I think it cried for like an hour afterwards, just from like the emotion coming out of me and everything just kind of exiting my body. And it was like, I feel icky. I might be judged. There might be people that, you know, think certain way of me now, but you know what? I don't care. I really don't care because this work is important. What we're doing is important. The message is important. And then getting messages from you were like, oh okay, if no one else writes me, and there's one person out of the 30,000 that like heard something, like going through that stress and anxiety of doing it was totally worth it for me. So thank you for reaching out to me. Because, you know, getting the messages from people afterwards was just like this, like affirmation, even though I was really scared, I was scared of what people were going to think of me on such a big platform saying something so openly.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you did. And I, I told you this also, but like, you inspired me to do the same thing I had. Um, a couple of weeks ago, participated in and supported a workshop on resiliency in times of trauma at work, which is a topic I never thought I would get to talk in at work at, at that kind of platform. And so I had invited everyone I've ever worked with <laughs> to that workshop. I was like, please come listen. I need the support of someone who knows what I'm going through um, as I speak on a to an audience. And it was only like 30 people, but that were, that was, that was an audience of 30 that most people I didn't know. That's big
1: for that kind of like for that topic. Yeah. That's a complex
0: topic. It was crazy. (laughs) And I had to, with the facilitator, um, talk about emotional triggers. And so he asked me like about my triggers and I told him about my mom and, you know, her cancer and how that triggers me and how I have to deal with that at work. And he walked me through a whole exercise on, how to be more resilient, how to tell when you're about to be triggered, how to handle it in the workplace. And it was so personal. And there were so many questions he asked where I had not anticipated the answer. And my hands were legitimately shaking the entire time. And it was so terrifying. I
1: was, like, breathless. Um, I had to really work. Like, guaranteed, reflecting back on that experience, you're going to say, wow, I grew a lot from that.
0: Oh, yeah. The scarier something is,
1: the more you're like, I know I'm doing something good.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I did. I was so relieved to hear afterwards like from my peers that attended like even people i didn't know like that was really well done thank you so much like that must have been hard thank you for sharing and it's just like the you you will find support where you seek it
1: that's right i agree yeah
0: well there you have it folks if you ever have any questions about mental health careers how to tackle the situations you're in or anything at all please just don't hesitate to reach out I just want you guys to know that I'm here for you, always ready to listen, pun fully intended. As always, thank you so much for joining me this week on Listen. Make sure to visit my Instagram at listenwithroops and Facebook, which is also at listenwithroops. Thank you so much. Stay safe, stay vigilant, stay indoors, and have a wonderful rest of your week.